Sponsor SixConnect automates network provisioning in a DevOps-friendly way. SixConnect's ProVision platform delivers workflows, resource management, DNS and DHCP controllers, IPAM, and more, all with an API-first mentality. Find out more about SixConnect's ProVision at sixconnect.com with the number six slash packet. That's sixconnect.com with the number six slash packet. Welcome to Heavy Strategy, where the questions are sometimes more interesting than the answers. We're going to be talking about the issue of what is a technology strategy and do you need one? Why do you need one? Greg, is that a fair statement of our topic today? Somebody in our audience sent us some feedback and I'll quote them, I think would be the best way. You had a fantastic episode on strategy. Sadly, you never gave an example of a strategy. I'd love it if you did another, perhaps even longer episode on strategy, including giving examples of a valid strategy and how to make one and so on. And the person asked for anonymity. Uh, if you, just to deviate a little bit, if you ever want to give us topic ideas or ask us questions or give us feedback, just go over to packetpushes.net slash fu and send in your question, give us your follow-up or whatever. That's where this came from. We talked about technology strategy sort of as a big idea. And in this case, we wanted to get more into the practical angles of it, I thought. It's very difficult to give a to give an example of a technology strategy in a podcast, but we'll do our level best because mm. some of it is very visual. But I'll start because one of the things that Nemertes does very often is going into clients and helping them craft a what we call a strategy architecture roadmap, which is all one set of things, and we'll talk about why they're so in, intimately integrated. Mm. But let's first talk about what a strategy technology strategy is and isn't. The first thing is a technology strategy aligns technology vision with business goals. So it's not just about what you're going to do with technology, but it's how what you plan to do with technology will enable what the business is trying to do in business terms. The second thing, and this is super important, is that a technology strategy is explicit about technologies, something like cloud, without being specific to vendors such as Microsoft Azure. So if your technology strategy is, has a vendor name in it, it's not a technology strategy, mm. full stop. So what you're the alluding to there is it's more like we're into containers and VMs, networking over TCP IP, you know, stuff like that. Exactly. And now that would be yesterday's strategy, but yes, that's exactly mm. it. You don't, you don't say our strategy is VMware, our strategy is Cisco. That's not a strategy, that's a vendor, and that's potentially a strategic vendor, which we will talk about on the next show. So the technology strategy can be very simple. And since our, our, our listener wanted an example, I'll get to that in a second. But the other thing about a technology strategy is that it's got a logical roadmap that's based on logical dependencies. So in other words, it says, first we do X, then we do Y. So first we build out the infrastructure, then we select the product that runs on this infrastructure. And note that selecting a product has got to be part of the technology strategy. You don't go in saying, I know what product I want. You go in saying, once I'm ready to deploy this product, and by ready, I mean you have the associated infrastructure and everything else in place, then you, you put in place a, a relatively structured selection process to determine which of several products you're going to buy. Mm. And that's what I mean by these logical dependencies. It also has explicit and implicit milestones that say, okay, we're going to make a decision. Either we go entirely to the cloud or we continue to, to maintain a hybrid solution or whatever it is by date X. And the date can be somewhat notional. It can be a month uh, rather than 3.30 PM on June 30th. Yeah. But 
it's got to be there that says at this point we will have made a decision whether we're going to do x or y one of the mistakes i see people do is they go for aspirational statements things like by being both disruptive and customer focused our agile approach will drive virtual reality throughout the organization synergies between our internet of things and growth will enable us to capture the upside by becoming cloud-based in a collaborative world you know that sort of wallop you're talking about something much more specific saying our technology strategy focuses on containers and virtual machines and we will implement them in these platforms we aspire to these operational goals exactly exactly what you just listed is not a strategy it's no. and possibly a vision statement but i would argue it's even it's more of a buzzword cloud uh, and i have seen <laughs> non i'm actually quoting from an uh, an auto generator called strategy mad libs and it just makes them up for you it's oh my god that sounds hilarious our strategy is strategy collaborative mad. we will lead an agile effort off the market through our use of big data our strategy is network we'll lean a sustainable effort of the market through our use of digital business and data leaders to build a culture by being both so, cloud-based and disruptive, our open approach will drive platform throughout the organization. Synergies between our blockchain and learning. Yes, it's just it just generates them. I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, you've got to put a link in it. Yes, that is that's hilarious. Yeah. That is not a strategy. And yeah. agile is not a strategy. And digital transformation is not a strategy. And insert buzzword here is not a strategy. It's a buzzword. Or a buzzword cloud, as you as you've put. Yeah. A strategy can be very simple. And this is where you know our listener said, can you give an example of our strategy? Absolutely. I heard a very good example of a strategy yesterday from one of my clients, which is our strategy is to move to cloud, SaaS where we can, IaaS or PaaS where we must, SaaS if we can get the application as SaaS, AWS or Azure, now that's a technology, but it's an example of an IaaS or PaaS where we must. If we can't do either SaaS or IaaS, then we do hosting. If we can't do hosting, then we do in our, in our internal data center. And only in very rare cases do we put an application on local premises that are not on a data center of some sort, whether ours, ours hosted or in the cloud. That is actually a very, very pithy strategy. The only thing that's missing is the time is the time frame component, which I'll get to in a second. So you're saying, well, great, Jonna, that's one sentence. You know, do I really need to do all this work to get one sentence? Mm. Well, the kicker in the strategy is answering the question, you know, what's the difference between can and must? When can something go to SaaS? What are the parameters that allow you to determine when something can go to SaaS? When must it go to IaaS or when must it be hosted? And in, in the particular case of cloud, and I'm getting a little down in the weeds, your cloud strategy would th therefore necessarily include a workload placement policy and a workload placement process, which are two different things. Mm, but the workload mm. placement policy says, this is how you determine where a workload can live. And it looks at things like privacy. It looks at things like performance. It looks at things like security, all mm. these things that tell you, is this something we can trust to SaaS? Is this something we can trust to IaaS? Is it something that for various reasons must stay close to home? Could you say yeah. a technology strategy like no off-prem SaaS? I guess you could, like if you decided that having data outside your perimeter, let's just say that a perimeter is defined fairly notionally, you know, you could create a technology that says that we don't take on SaaS tools for these reasons. You absolutely could. And to make it a strategy, it needs a couple more things. Hmm. All of our workloads live within our perimeter because of the business goals of hmm. XYZ. Or business um, needs. And I kind of, sometimes it's goals and sometimes it's like exactly. you know, compliance Maybe, or... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
And the second piece is for the foreseeable future, i.e. the next five years or whatever your planning horizon is. So then essentially something that says we will not use SaaS for the foreseeable future because of our business requirements of XYZ, security, compliance, insanity, whatever. I would point out though, that if you're doing that, number one, you are absolutely going contrary to 97% of the market when we stopped when we stopped tracking it, we were researching and about eight years ago, we determined that 97% of all organizations were using SaaS. At this point, I think it's 103, mm-hmm. okay? The way I used to give those figures was 97% of the organizations we were tracking were using SaaS and the other three don't know it. Yeah. And that's the other point. <laughs> well, I, think, is, well, I was using it at, that as an extreme example because I think, exactly. you but, know, for example, yeah. if you're using Zoom or WebEx or, or Teams, your data is already outside the perimeter. Or any of the HR applications, et cetera, et cetera. Or but Salesforce yes. or yeah. you know, all of those. But, but coming back to this, so coming back to the whole question of how to, how to build a strategy, the first thing you really need is a concrete set of business drivers that are actually right. And the problem is most technologists kind of hand wave around the business drivers uh, because they don't really understand them. It's like, well, I work at a for-profit company, so our goal is to make money. Mm. Well, okay, that's a little too high level. Let's take it a step down. <laughs> Because the issue is you need to understand our goal is to make money by acquiring other companies. Mm. Oh, that says that your infrastructure needs to be integrable. Like one of the technology principles is whatever we do has to be easy to integrate because the plan is for the foreseeable future to buy a bunch of other companies. Mm. Or our business strategy is to make money by developing new products. Okay, in that case, our strategy, our technology principles are make it fast and easy for developers to create new products that are good Mm. or that are quality new products. So that's the linkage that needs to be there. And when we when we walk clients through this, we actually make an explicit linkage between the business drivers. We articulate the business drivers and then tie them to something we call technology principles. And that's incredibly important because that's the Mm. that's the whole point of a technology strategy is if our goal is to develop new products, you know, successful new products faster and better than the competition, we have to have technology tools that make our product developers more productive than the competition. Just to turn what I said, what, what you said around into something a little bit more focused. The goal oh, no, of- this make... is very focused. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just... Sorry. What I wanted to do is take my previous statement and just drive it further is sometimes the best way to make a profit is to spend money. One of the things about technology is that it's an amplifier in my mind you your the use of microsoft word replaced typing pools the use of excel replaced accounting teams accounting software replaced dozens of people that used to be employed in accounting department they used to literally tally up the general ledgers manually people would sit there and add them up and then pass them to the next person to add them up again to get a double check and things like that that's where double entry accounting came from a technology strategy should say it's our goal is to spend money to make a profit by improving productivity if, of course, the company's goal is to make a profit. Um, now, I, I have actually, okay, yeah. I, had one cli- I had one client that was in the for-profit industry where their goal was literally not to make a profit because the company was winding down and for long, complicated reasons, it had to continue in business. It couldn't just pull the plug and walk away. Yeah. It had client accounts that had to be serviced until they ended, but the goal was to no longer get new business so they had a very interesting set of business drivers. But yes, you've raised a point, which is many technologists come at this with this mindset that tech, you know, the IT department's goal is to save money first, first and foremost and nothing else. And that's maybe 
your technology strategy? And if so, find another company. Mm. Because as Greg said, technology is a force multiplier. And so your job is to figure out which, you know, which, what your company is trying to do and help it do that better and more effectively by, by intelligent deployment of technology. That's your technology strategy. You want to really start with the business drivers and then move towards technology principles. So in the two examples we gave, one technology, one example would be in my example, the technology principle is agility. We want to be able to quickly make changes to everything we're doing. And, and I'm, I'm taking this from a particular company. They're more on the area of doing new products better and faster than the competition. So agility is what dri is driving their cloud strategy. Hmm. And the example you gave, which is potentially hypothetical, this hmm. is an extremely security conscious company. And so their primary business driver is, is control and security. So they're, they're going to keep everything on-prem to meet that business driver. So on-prem is that technology principle based on their business driver of, we have to have our arms around our workloads at all costs. That process, you start with the business drivers, figure out what your company is trying to do, and then tie your technology principles to those business drivers. And then you're ready to get moving on something a little more comfortable. But this is where you get into a strategy review. So when projects come up for evaluation and then solutions come up for evaluation, they need to be applied to the strategy in some way. And the challenge that I've always seen with technology strategies is that there's somebody over there defined a technology strategy, but turning it into a living, breathing thing that everybody in the team knows about is actually quite difficult. You can write a Word document or do a bunch of PowerPoint slides and say, this is what our strategy is. And you can create something that is guidelines. You know, we do it in VMs. We look for storage that meets this technology because we want to unify our, our storage well, technology around a common set of value. We want to be in the public cloud, but we only want to use these technologies and not these others so that we focus our resources. But then somebody gets on the ground and goes like, oh, I didn't know about that. So I just did what I thought was best. I really want to highlight the value of the technology principles because essentially if your technology principle, and let's just take your example because it's easy to understand and it's a little bit absurd. You know, if the technology principle here is all workloads on-prem for security reasons, when somebody comes meandering along and says, oh, we could do this by using SaaS app, blah, 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 blah. The answer is yes, mm. but that is in violation of our technology principle. Essentially, that, that idea becomes dead in the water. That's why the technology principles are so important because yes, you can say my 900 page slide deck, I didn't bother to read it, so I don't know what's in it. But those technology principles are on one slide. You can print them out and stick them on everybody's door. So it's like if your idea is in violation of these principles, then basically your job is you have to bring it up on the next strategy review and argue why our principles are wrong. You know, mm. so if you come back and say, I want to do I want to do a SaaS app in a company that just said no SaaS apps, your option is challenge the principle of no SaaS apps or drop the idea. Those are your two. It's binary. And, that, and the reason I, I highlight this is because exactly the problem you're raising, Greg, you can't take mm. a giant document, expect everyone to read it and internalize every component and make decisions on it. But you can take a single slide that says these are the technology principles we've all agreed to because and the reason we've agreed to them is not because we think they're the Ten Commandments because they align with our business, because we've done the work that says these are the mm. technology principles that enable the business drivers that we've captured. And therefore, 
if you want to go counter to any of these, we have to talk about why that business driver no longer applies or why that technology principle is no longer the best way to get that business driver. But it's one slide. You would not define a strategy in a single sentence or in a single buzzwordy paragraph. You would say it's a detailed document with multiple parts. It absolutely is, but the multiple parts are at increasing levels of complexity, and the idea is that parts are designed to be used for different purposes. So, for example, you start, there should be a slide that has the business drivers captured, and it has to be correct. So you have to go through a validation process to make sure that your tech team actually understands the business drivers, which is kind of important anyway. Then spend some time figuring out what the technology principles that align to those business drivers are. Again, you have to be pretty comfortable. That's where you have your fights. Technologists will say, well, cloud doesn't do that. You know, a better approach is hosting or on-prem delivers that business driver better. It doesn't really matter, but those fights have to all happen. And then everyone agrees on the outcome. Mm. Now you have two slides, business drivers, the technology principles that embody them. And then you can move on to the next several pieces, Mm. keeping in mind that this can all be in support of a statement such as, SaaS where we can, IaaS where we must, hosting if we can't do IaaS, data center if we can't do hosting, and on-prem in very rare cases. Mm. And that could be your strategy, loosely speaking, but it has to have a lot more of the supporting thought behind it to explain, number one, why this strategy exists, what principles it's in support of, and number two, as I said, going Mm. into the future, and number three, all the components that are necessary to deliver it, such as a workload placement process or policy, sorry. We pause the podcast to tell you about sponsor SixConnect. SixConnect's ProVision network provisioning platform is a collection of next-generation automation tools helping service providers and enterprises update how they do network provisioning. Working with bare metal, containers, on-prem, in the cloud, SixConnect ProVision can help. ProVision is modular and API first, which which means it's flexible. Ops folks can use ProVision to deliver whatever sort of provisioning platform they need to to make the business they support happy. Okay, I said modular, so let's talk about some of these ProVision modules. There is the resource manager. Track everything from cross-connects to customers in one place or simply tie into existing systems, including external authentication for low-effort automation. And then there's the IP address manager with full IPv4 and v6 support, handling everything from subnets to host, and it can even help you cope with duplicate and overlapping IP address space. The DNS controller supports several DNS platforms, and that gives you a single pane of glass for DNS provisioning, even if you deal with multiple DNS platforms at the same time. The ProVision DHCP controller integrates with several different DHCP platforms and services for hybrid deployments and handles multi-tenancy and detailed controls. And then there's the Peering Manager. That's a bridge for router configuration and email comms related to peering. It is integrated with PeeringDB, and that ensures that exchange information is consistent and that peering coordinators get a one-stop shop for BGP session management and human coordination without touching a command line. And you get the idea here. We're just scratching the surface to give you a taste of the network automation and provisioning platform you can build with 6Connect's ProVision. Would you like to know more? Well, of course you would, and you can do that at 6Connect.com packet. That is 6Connect with the number 6.com slash packet. Once more, for API-first automated network provisioning that can bring together many different systems in your provisioning stack, 6Connect with the number 6.com slash packet.
And now, back to the podcast. The other issue to talk about here, especially if you're technology-centric or business-centric and not bridging between the two, is the gap between the two. And this sometimes gets down to semantics. What's the difference between a strategy and architecture and a roadmap? Thank you for asking that, because there is a set of logical dependencies here. You have to have a strategy before you can have an architecture. The architecture is the embodiment of the strategy. If you say our plan is to do blah, 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 the architecture is what that looks like when you have done it. Hmm. And the roadmap is how you get there from here. So first you have to have a strategy. If you're building an architecture without a strategy, you're dead in the water. If you're building a roadmap without both an architecture and a strategy, you're dead in the water. By the way, an awful lot of clients will start with a roadmap because they're thinking of a strategy as our strategy is to implement Microsoft or whatever. That's a huge mistake. The other piece is that that roadmap is not, and this is what a lot of people get wrapped around the axle about, the roadmap is not a project plan. Mm. It doesn't have levels of detail that a project plan has. It simply pulls together all the logical dependencies. Oh, gee, we can't move workloads out to the cloud until we have actually nailed down agreements with the selected number of cloud vendors. So step one, get agreements with cloud vendors. Step one, decide how many cloud vendors you want for your multi-cloud strategy. Step two, get agreements with them. Step three, move, move workloads. Lays that out. You can then build project plans from the roadmap. And at some point, when you build those project plans, you may discover something like, oh, it's Mm. actually not possible to do this, what we said we'd do, but that's okay. That's, you know, the whole thing is iterative, which is kind of the last thing I would want to say. The strategy is great, but it's not the 10 commandments. It's not set in stone. It should be something that you review, revisit and challenge. And you challenge all the way back to, are the business drivers still what they said we said they were six months ago? Or have the senior executives changed their mind and they want to, you know, they no longer want to buy any more companies or whatever, Mm -hmm. because that will have a ripple effect on everything. If that's the case, then you don't want technology principles that enable buying companies. You want technology principles that enable the new business driver. Or you can ask simple questions like, well, we had this roadmap that had, you know, one quarter to do something and we just discovered it'll take us two and a half years. How do we rethink the roadmap in that? I I think it's important to understand that a strategy is not one thing. It's actually a multi-part thing. There would be a strategy paper and there would be an architecture, which is a not a detailed architecture document. It's sort of like an aspirational. This is what our architecture would look like potentially. And then there's a roadmap which says, this is how we currently see ourselves achieving this architecture inside of the strategy. Is that what we're saying? It's a three, you know, it's a, it's uh, well, a uh, well, I do think there are three distinct pieces, but when we do a project for a client, it's almost always strategy, architecture, roadmap. It really isn't possible to do an ar- a strategy without an architecture somewhere. It is possible to do an architecture without a roadmap, but I've never seen anyone that that didn't want a roadmap if they wanted an architecture. I would also add that generally Word is a terrible format for it. You're better off if we're talking Microsoft Office products, you're better off with PowerPoint or the Google equivalent because a lot of this is extremely visual. Even the lineup of business drivers and the lineup of technology principles has to be visual because there's connections between them. And just the same way a mind map is much better than any kind of like logical word document to try to figure out ideas and how they relate to each other there's kind of a need to make this thing as visual as possible you know that's why i would say but i think the challenge is going to be how do you keep this living that yes the the challenge i've always found is that that strategy happens by a couple of senior people over in a room with a consultant or two and then it's got to become a living thing something that's actually regularly referred to 
new staff are required to in, engage with it in some way or get used to it. Uh, at review meetings, managers have to say, how does this match with our strategy? And actually, one of the funniest things, you know, the, the, the solution is obvious when you state the problem correctly, as you have. You know, the solution is you have to have review meetings. And in fact, one of my all-time favorite clients many years ago engaged us to do a network strategy, and we did the entire thing, network strategy, um, you know, strategy architecture roadmap. And as part of the development process, we actually developed a capacity planner that said, Based on the applications you have today and the applications you will have in the future, this is what your bandwidth needs will be for the next five years out. And this is why you have to make these decisions having to do with changing your network your, your network technology because your current technology is too expensive on a per megabit basis. You need that. You need to have something that's cheaper. And actually, we were recommending that they go to fiber rings in certain places because, because the anticipated traffic was going to be so huge. Mm. Well, this client did something that was wonderful. He brought us back in a year later to say, you know, you guys built this fancy calculator to predict how much our traffic was. We'd like to see how right that was. And to our everlasting surprise, we were spot on the money, uh, exactly accurate based on the measured traffic. What had happened was we had two applications that we made mistakes that canceled each other's out. So one mm. application grew faster than we thought it would, and the other one grew a lot slower. <laughs> but net net, and the and the client saw that immediately, and he said, "You got lucky, but okay, we take your point." But the main point is that the fundamental thing here is that you revisit and re and double check your assumptions when you revisit this in the review. Don't just look at it and say here's a pretty picture of an architecture. Are we in the process of building it? Great. Yay. Bye. That's wrong. It's, hey, does this pretty picture even still apply or have things changed? If you wanted to make a technology strategy, where would you start? Do you think you would just go straight out to a third party to help you develop one or would you start internally first? That's a softball, Greg. If yeah. you haven't done one before and if you're asking that question, call us, namertys.com. You can contact us on the contact forms because if you haven't done one before, we can save you an awful lot of flailing around and wasting time. And we can also save a lot of the acrimonious fights that happen among technologists by putting them in a structure so that people get to express their opinions, argue for their opinions, but in the right context. Because I don't want someone standing there at the very beginning going, but Microsoft or, you know, whatever, but Palo Alto, but Cisco. I don't want them having that conversation at the very beginning. That is a perfectly valid conversation to have at the end. A discussion. I think there's actually a combination of things. I actually think most practitioners would do well to try and do it internally and then bring in a, an, an external partner to help them. And then they could bring converge. If you've not done a technology strategy or not good at it, it's probably better to do to have a go yourself and then bring in a third party to get some reference or context. I, dis I, di I disagree because mm. the way we do it is collaborative. You will be doing it yourself. This will be your strategy. This is not the Namurdi strategy. We don't walk in and say, you know, there are other firms that I'm not going to mention that will say, here is your cloud strategy because we have lots of other clients just like you and this is what it should look like. We don't do that. We walk in and say, we will guide you through the process. You will own this strategy because you developed it, mm. but we're going to save you a lot of the wasted time around the edges. And I don't agree that wasting that time first before you bring in the consultant is at all helpful. Um, it's much more important to have somebody come in and say, all right, we're going to help you find those business drivers quickly so mm. that we can then move on to the concept of technology principles and have all the necessary battles around that and, and so forth and so on. But in the end, this is a technology that your people owned, your people developed, 
it is unique to you, mm. even if it has common commonality with other companies that are very similar to you. And we developed it ab initio from scratch in your organization because it has to be owned by you. It has for the reasons that you're suggesting. Well, I think we've probably gone about as far. We're running out of time. I think, Jonah. Yeah. Did we? Well, did we... Hope, hope, hopefully, our listener will say, will write in and say. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. More, please, because we have mm. a great slate and lineup of, of strategy discussions yeah. coming down the pike. You can go over to packerpushes.net slash FU. It's a page. You just leave it. We don't need your details or your name. Happy to have anonymous feedback. And let us know if you ask us open questions We and you want us to get back to you. We're happy to do that within limits. We're not here to provide free consulting services, although that's exactly what this show is. Uh. <laughs> well, and I, I would add, if you actually do want to engage live or relatively live, interactively with Greg or myself. Well, thanks very much for listening to Heavy Strategy today. As always, you can listen to this and many more fine free technology podcasts in your podcatcher. Just give it a search for Heavy Strategy for this show and for Packet Pushes, where you'll find lots of other infrastructure related technology podcasts for your network. It would be super helpful to us if you would like this podcast or tell your friends, uh, because that's how we grow and that gives us the encouragement to keep bringing this content to you get out there on social media tell people about us and as always remember that with heavy strategy the questions are actually probably more interesting than the answers